Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. We are recording this confession the week between Christmas and New Year's. It's a weird week. It's a week of should I be productive? How do I be productive? Why do I feel like I've been that's this is me. I feel like I've been working all day long, but I don't know what I've accomplished and which is the worst feeling for me. I think that's a really important point and why we're even talking about the topic we're talking about today because as an entrepreneur, sometimes sitting down in front of the computer and being like, so what do I do is kind of complicated. And especially in weeks like this or any time we're around a holiday or if you take time off or something like that, it makes it even harder (laughs) to figure out what you're supposed to do. And so I thought it would be kind of fun to talk about like time management and task management and how we figure out (laughs) what we're supposed to be doing when we don't have a boss or a structure (laughs) telling us what we're supposed to be doing. So in general, how do you manage your time? Considering that we're doing this during the week of the most low amount of productivity, this is going to be funny. I manage my time by, like I have mentioned before, I'm an early riser. So I love to wake up super early in the morning. And I wish I could tell you all that I'm one of those people who prioritizes and has a schedule for all clients based on hour of the day, but I don't. I'm a very reactive person by nature. So um, basically the way I work as a virtual assistant is I have a to-do list that I work off of. I call it my running list and I work off of that list until I have a client reach out and say, Hey, I need this done. And I pride myself on being reactive and being quote unquote on call for clients. And then I'll swap and do that task. And then I'll go back to that running to-do list. So I always try to keep myself obviously very busy, but also have that ability to have the flexibility in case someone needs me, quote unquote, on demand. How about you? How do you manage your time? I am not an early riser and (laughs) I really protect my peace in the morning. I always check my email just to see if anybody's, anybody being clients, if anybody is stressed out or needs me for something. Also, because obviously I work with Amanda And we work in different time zones. And also she's an early riser. A lot of times she'll be working on stuff for me. He'll be working on stuff for me. And when I wake up, I just need to make sure you don't need me for something. Right. And so I'll answer. I know everyone says not to this, but I'll like answer emails in bed from my phone before I get up. (laughs) And then I tend to put my phone down for a little while to protect my peace through my morning. And then... I come back to my computer later in the day. And so I have a really weird work schedule because I tend to work from (laughs) anywhere from like 1 
to 3 p.m. And then as late as it takes to get that day's work done. And I'm a big to-do list person as well. So that is another thing. I mean, as far as managing tasks, you and I have that in common. I am obsessed with (laughs) writing to-do lists on post-it notes. And like, I love crossing stuff off, but also then it's messy. So kind of throughout the day or even each day, I will start a new post-it and just carry over my list like with the crossed (laughs) off ones. And it's ridiculous because I know I can do this digitally and it's so much cleaner, but there's something about Mm. writing it out that just works for my brain. And so I definitely do that. And in general, it's looking at kind of (laughs) what needs to get done for this week, what needs to get done for next week, and then sort of planning priorities from there, which I guess that like kind of goes into how do you like manage your priorities? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So for me, that's what I do is like looking at what needs to be done. So like all the things that need to be done this week and next week that I already know of, which there are things that are going to come up between now and next week that I don't know yet, but anything that I know of for this week and next week, and I'm specifically talking as far as next week about shows that are coming out. So generally speaking, and what I do, because I'm a podcast manager, the clients that I'm working with are often recording for next week, the week before, right? So I'm Uh, getting everybody's recordings for next week. So this week's work is next week's shows, if that makes sense. But then I also have tasks that have to get done this week, right? So it's labeling all of those and and like writing them all out and then labeling like by priority, like this has to get done today. This has to get done by this day. This has to get done by this day. And then the rest of the tasks, it's like filling them in of Mm. when can they get done. And, um, And then as far as like priorities on a given day, like once I know what I'm doing that day. So there's this phrase or this kind of school of thought about eating the frog. Are you familiar with that? I have never heard of this. (laughs) Okay. So eating the frog, (laughs) the idea is that you do the hardest task or the task you least want to do first because that way Mm. you get it out of the way. Like otherwise you're sitting on it all day and it's just like hanging over you and you're kind of just like spinning your wheels and wasting time avoiding that task. And so this idea is that you eat the frog first and then that way like it gets it off of your plate. But that is not how I operate. So <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, I wish I was like that. <laughs> not at all. It does not necessarily work for me. What I actually do is I look at that list of things that I have to do today. And then I find the tasks that are going to be the easiest to get done just so that I can get them off my list. Like, what's the quickest? What's the easiest? What is just, let's just knock this out. Because if I have 10 things to do, and four of them are going to take 20 minutes or less, then I can knock all of those out in probably an hour to an hour and a half, including like any time wasting or breaks or whatever. And then I've gotten almost half my to-do list done in that time, which feels so much better to me. Unless there's something that's time sensitive, that's kind of how I do it. But what do you think? What's What I, works for you? Yeah. So I think that your your podcast, how you have to work like a week basically in advance is kind of how I view my creative work. So creative work for me is video editing, it's um, website design, or it's, you know, something like making social media graphics, things like that. I 
look at as my busy work, right? The things that I immediately have to respond in or my admin work, or if it's just cleaning out an email, if it's doing a admin task for a client, those to me are the things that I kind of, you know, do automatically. And the creative work I kind of save as my quote unquote busy work, my let's turn on some Netflix and just settle in. You got to get creative. That's, you know, that's my busy work. Um, But you may, you and I may be the same on this. Do you use your inbox as your to-do list? I think I've, you know, because I work with you that that's how I kind of operate. I keep all of my to-do list in my email and I start at the very bottom of the email every day. And I try to work my way down to the things that I need to get to sooner rather than later. And I just use that as my to-do list. Do you do that? No, I I have too many things that come to me or come in in different avenues. So I do use my inbox as one of the things. Like if there's something in my inbox that hasn't been taken care of, it stays in my inbox till it's done. So one of the items on my to-do list every day is inbox zero. Like one of the things I have to do is make sure I've cleared my inbox of all of today's things. Now, realistically, it isn't a true inbox zero because if there's something that like right now, it's the week between Christmas and New Year's. If I have something that comes in that needs to be done by January 1st in my inbox, then it's not necessarily a today item, just realistically. Like, so I'm not going to clear it until it's done, but I'm not really going to be at inbox zero. So I just call it that because it's like the easiest (laughs) way to kind of think about it. Getting through my inbox and just like, okay, I just got to clean it up. (laughs) Like, I just got to get through whatever I got to get through. And that way I don't forget things because definitely once I file an email, I'm not going to remember. (laughs) I also like pride myself every day. I say, okay, you've got 55 emails. We're going to get down to single digits today. Let's go. You know, and then there are days or weeks like this week, which is so weird. It's half of the people are in the office. Half of people are out for the week. It's a weird time. You would think it would be the best time to get as much work done as possible, but it's that weird time between Christmas and the holidays and now the new year. And so most people have just completely ignored their inbox, which I'm a big fan of, you know, do you and take time off. I think it's important, but it's also, where am I? What day is it? Who am I? What am I doing? (laughs) You know, um, I'm trying to be as productive as possible during the break, but it has been a struggle. Have you struggled this, uh, end of the year? You know, it's been an interesting month for me with, both business and personal stuff like there's been a little bit of whiplash there's a little bit of roller coaster going on some really really good things and some really like challenging mm-hmm. things and so that plus the disruption to communication and routine and all of that like i am finding that i'm craving more of a normal routine and that i'm i'm putting air quotes around that for those who are listening <laughs> because <laughs> I don't generally have a normal routine. Like my days look really different every day and that is is normal for me. So you wouldn't think that it would feel disruptive, but it does feel disruptive because mm. it's just like I just I don't have that consistency of like every day is just kind of I get up and I decide what I'm going to do. It's like no, I've got a lot of obligations, a lot of people who are demanding of my time and attention that aren't necessarily typically demanding that time and attention, you know? Yeah. And I just came back from vacation. I took a quick trip 
a couple of days and went to Orlando with just me and my husband for Christmas. And we had such a great time. But I also found myself, I actually texted you and was like, I kind of miss my schedule. I kind of miss. And I don't know why, because we had such a great time, but there is that comfort of, okay, I know when I wake up, I know what project I'm working on. And let me just say that in a previous episode, I had just talked about like setting boundaries and (laughs) you know, not working. And it went so well. We went on vacation and I didn't have anybody blowing me up with work. Everybody seemed, and it also granted was over the like days of Christmas, but it was a really great experience being able to unplug. And it really made me realize I should probably do this more (laughs) as everyone tells me I should. Yeah. Well, and then maybe it wouldn't feel so disruptive if you, if it felt normal to do that. I kind of do it the same way no matter what, but I try to let people know a realistic expectation for turnaround time. So I, when I have like an established thing with clients that uh, typically we need three days to turn an episode around and honestly, sometimes we can get it done the same day. So a lot of times we set that expectation that's going to be three days turnaround time and then we exceed it. And people are always really thrilled, obviously, by that. But just because the business is growing, we're working with so many people. There are so many people who have so many other competing priorities. I can't guarantee that I can do it the same day that you send it over, right? So sometimes it's going to take three days. And then for people who are working really far ahead, like they're not recording an episode three days before it's supposed to come out. They're recording an episode like six weeks before it's supposed to come out. Then I said the expectation with them, like, I appreciate it. That is so helpful that you're ahead. Also, I may not turn it around in three days then because I know I still have six weeks to get your stuff turned around. And there are other people who are not as far ahead as you who then become like a bigger (laughs) priority for turning around their edits and whatnot. So I just try to set a realistic expectation of thanks, got it, received, you know, let them know that I got it. And then also I should have this by X day. And then if to your point about a funk, if something's going on and, you know, shit happens, then I will just try to reach out and let them know, hey, I set this expectation. Unfortunately, I'm not going to meet that expectation. Here's the new expectation. That doesn't happen to me super often. And usually if it does, it's like a minor difference. Like instead of tonight, I will have it to you tomorrow, right? Like Mm -hmm. not a huge difference or I did not get a chance to finish this. This is what's left and it's my top priority for tomorrow or whatever. And then that way it just, again, is just communicating clear expectations of what is realistic for me. And then interesting with you, I've been trying to, since I know you use your inbox as a to-do list, I've been trying to send you in the subject line, the date time, for, like the time frame or the scope of the project so yes. that it's just really easy for you to see like, <laughs> oh, she put that this one doesn't need to be done for a month. So you don't need to make that a priority, right? Whereas if something, and I'll also put like not urgent if it's just a task that can just be filled in at any point, because I know that you're juggling a lot of clients. And so I'm just trying to make it as easy as possible to let you know what my expectations are without trying to stress you out because I tend to like brain dump 
And so, or fire hose, that's what I have been calling it with my (laughs) clients. Like I tend to fire hose. And so I'll, because I know you use emails as tasks, I'll send like several emails that are just, hey, here's a task, here's a task, here's a task, here's a task, instead of putting them all in one email. Because I feel like if I put them all in one email and you're using your inbox to clear your tasks, then if you've cleared one of those tasks, you can't clear the email. So I'm like, okay, I'll send her seven separate emails <laughs> and I'll put dates or time timelines or scopes of the project in each subject line. And then that way you can clear the ones that you finish, right? Um, I love that. So I try, I just try to set clear expectations. And I'll even say to you, uh, if there's something that we're in the end of the time frame or whatever that I had said, I'll be like, hey, tell me what's realistic for you. Like, I also try to do yeah. the reverse. Like, you tell me what's realistic with your workload. Just set a clear expectation with me of what what I can expect. I know I can count on you. I trust you with all of my things, all of my things. <laughs> but we're both like humans. And so that's what I'm always telling my clients as well is like, I'm a, I'm a person and you're a person. And so we can operate in this business like people. But anyway, that's how we communicate. How do you communicate with your other clients? Yeah. So when it comes to my other clients, this is something that I have decided I'm going to really work hard on for the new year is like you had mentioned, setting super clear expectations. I'm the first one because I want to over deliver. I always want to Um, like be ahead of the game. And I always want to be super quick on the response that I will take on unneeded pressure because I want to over deliver uh, as quick as possible. So what that does though, is when I can't meet that expectation, instead Mm -hmm. of saying, okay, I'll get this to you in 48 hours and getting it to them sooner. And then they're thrilled like you do. I am instead like, oh, I'll get on this right away. Well, right away is realistically a few hours, right? And so 30 minutes goes by and they're like, hey, how's it coming? And I'm like, um, let mm-hmm. me quit what I'm doing and jump over that. And it's 100% my doing. So to answer your question, I always try to over communicate by saying, realistically, I can get this done to you at, at you know, this time frame. Um, what I can do a better job on is actually setting realistic expectations because I try really hard to respond as quick as possible. Um, I love instant gratification. I'm a millennial. So mm-hmm. I try really hard to also to try to give that to my clients. So communicate as best as possible. Let them know when things are happening or also what I have mentioned um, that I had shared with you was that I have started blocking off all Thursdays and Fridays. Those mm-hmm. are the two days that I will not take any meetings. And those are the days that I get that to-do list of creative work done. It's the days that I can put my headphones on, put a show on or a podcast or some music and just zone out. And that is when I can get all the deliverables done so that when the weekend comes, I can actually have a weekend. Yeah. Uh, I'm fairly new and starting my business. And so I am working a lot of extra hours just now getting to the point where I am trying to protect the weekends a little bit more, a little bit more. Cause I do love to work on the weekends with like my laptop in my lap and a, you know, football game or a Netflix show on. Yes, please. I love it. I tend to do weekends as heavy work time most of the time, unless there's something going on. Like if there's a baby shower or wedding or whatever that's going on that weekend or a holiday. Like we just had a major holiday where obviously um, New Year's is also on a weekend this year. But 
generally speaking, if there's an event on a weekend, then I'll, it's different. But the average weekend, like, it's funny because I find that I actually end up preferring working on weekends a lot of the time and putting days off in during the week. And for me, looking at days off, it's really looking at that list of um, things that I have to do today or this week slash next week and figuring out, like, have I cleared enough off of this to-do list that getting it done today or getting it done, done tomorrow is the same? And if it's the same, then I can take that day off. And generally speaking, each week... I most of the time I do get a day off. And by that, I do mean I'm still answering emails, right? I'm not unplugged. Um, and sometimes like a random really quick task will come up of like, hey, can you tweak this in my show notes or something like that? And that's not a big deal. Um, a lot of people, clients or you or whatever will text me. And obviously I respond to those texts. So off does not mean disconnected unless I'm like on vacation. But I do get days where I'm not sitting in my office chained to my desk doing meeting after meeting after meeting, right? Like I do have days that I do genuinely just take off. I usually have one and depending on the season, one to two per week that I'm able to pretty much be off. Um, But they're usually not weekend days. They're usually weekdays. And I find I like that better. I like running errands better on weekdays. I like... um, the things that are going on on weekdays better on weekends if there's no event it feels like nothing's going on anyway i could be getting so much work done <laughs> so mm, that's that me. just tends to work really well plus clients tend to get so much stuff in nights and uh towards the end of the week like they have a i have to get this to sarah by the end of the week kind of feeling that they put on themselves i don't necessarily do that but i have to get this i promise to get this to sarah by the end of the week and so i'm getting all this stuff at the end of the week and it's like yeah, I could hold some of it until Monday, but like I could just get a ton of work done on the weekend when I don't have meetings and I don't have a ton of emails coming in. So that tends to be my crush it days and my days off tend to be during the week. What about you? Do you get any days off? Yeah. So my husband is a big time hunter. So during hunting seasons, a huge down here in Alabama, obviously. So there are a couple of, well, there's a lot of weekends out of the months of hunting season, whether it's for deer or turkey that he's gone. So I have the house to myself on those, on those weekends. And I get a lot of work done on those, on those weekends. However, I do always make a point to get at least get one day where I'm not staring at a screen. And that includes includes even my cell phone. So I try really hard to say, okay, I'm going to read an actual book, like paper, not my iPad, just to give my eyes a bit of a break because I do stare at multiple screens all day long. And then of course I'm human. So just like anybody else, when I'm not doing work, I'm on Instagram scrolling or shopping on my phone. So I try really hard to take a break, a solid day where I'm not on a screen device. Um, so one day at least is my, always my top priority. I do have a question for you though. Mm -hmm. Do you think because we both work with people's babies in a way that there Mm -hmm. is an added pressure to be more readily available or maybe even more invested in the client work? Because it is for me, it's working with, and you too, but you know what I'm trying to say for me, it's 
their businesses, their most of the time their startups or it's their only source of income for their household. So there is that yeah. pressure of your the support. But then for you, a podcast is a very personal thing. Yeah. And there is a lot of imposter syndrome that comes up with that, a lot of hand holding specifically in the onboarding process. Do you think that's where and maybe it's just me putting the pressure on myself. <laughs> Do you feel that pressure because it is such a personal experience? I think that in what you do, there's probably more of that pressure. Most of the people that I'm working with, the podcast is an addition to what they already have built. I do always like to honor because I do feel honored, but I do like to honor how big of a deal it is that people are literally trusting me with their voice. I think that mm -hmm. is um, a responsibility that I do not take lightly and to your point, it is very vulnerable. And so it's, it's a high priority to me from a person supporting a person standpoint. However, from a work standpoint, because I've done so many podcasts, I've personally like been part of so many podcasts of my own, even my longest running podcast I've been doing since 2018 for myself, like as a host, I had started podcasts before that that are no longer active. Um, and so to me, it's almost funny how big of a deal it is and how vulnerable people feel because I'm like, why is it that big of a deal? Like to me, it's just my everyday work. But I would never speak to a client that way because I understand that if they're feeling vulnerable, like I honor that. And also that's such a common experience. You have like the two types of podcasting clients you have the podcasting clients that are like yep what the heck let's just get started it's just gonna get better from here let's like we're only gonna go yeah. up yeah like <laughs> I'm ready and let's just wing it and if it's awkward whatever it'll get better right and then you have the clients that are like I am terrified like I can't believe I'm gonna post this on the internet I'm so overwhelmed I sound like an idiot and I'm like but you really don't though you do not sound like an idiot and also mm this is just a little thing. If you're listening and you've ever thought about starting a podcast, which we can talk more about in a different episode, but if you're listening and you've ever thought about podcasting, so here's my little secret. Unless you have a huge established audience on other platforms at the beginning, very few people are even going to be listening, like just realistically, even if it mm -hmm. goes pretty well, like it's what a couple hundred people. It's not a hundred thousand people. It's not a million people, right? Like it's all relative. And I'm not saying that uh, a couple hundred people listening is not a big deal. I'm thrilled at the support that we've already received. And so far at the time of recording this, only our trailer has come out. And like, I'm thrilled for every single individual download. I'm like, a new person listened, right? Like, I still feel <laughs> that. And, and I'm grateful for every individual person as an individual person. They hold value. But also, it's not like you're standing. I mean, the difference between you're standing in front of a room of 40 people versus you're standing on a stage in front of like, you know, 50,000. It's just completely different. Right. And so at the beginning, like, I mean, it's OK to be awkward. Everybody's awkward. It's OK. You just start. Right. Uh, anyways, that's a roundabout way of saying um, sometimes it's funny to me how much it is like someone's baby and it's like it's not even that serious but I think I have that insecurity about things in my business like I'm insecure with um video or like 
posting stories on social media or whatever, which aren't even as big of a deal anymore. And I never got like into that. The idea of like my messy house and like what's in the background and how do I look that day? And like all of those things. And would anybody care anyway? I'm just sitting in my office at my desk. Like my cat keeps jumping up on and whatever. And that's like literally just my day. Why would I post that? Who cares? Like I have never gotten out of my insecurity with that stuff. And there are people who have been on stories every day for years who would probably be like, I can't imagine not being on stories. Right. And so it's all relative, but I think it's a little different for what I do versus what you do, because I do think you make a great point about that's like people's households only income. Like (laughs) this is my lifeline, you know, (laughs) like I depend on this business. It's me in a business. Right. And like just add water. And so (laughs) That is a lot, I think, a little different. So like I said, I think for me, it's like I do honor the responsibility of people trusting me with their voice. And also, I don't think it's as sensitive as caring for and nurturing what you do. I totally agree. I can see where you're coming from there. Um, Question for you. Another one. You ready? (laughs) What do you do when... You're in like a big period of growth. And I have, I know we're going to have different answers here, I think, (laughs) but what do you do when you're in, I work with you. So I know you just came off of a very big push for new shows. Really awesome shows, by the way, are coming for 2023. I'm so excited for all the new podcasts that you're helping to support. We are helping to support um, in coming into the new year. What do you do when you have a ton of new shows, you have current clients, it's a period of growth for your business. How do you prepare, support all of the things? Yeah, mainly I would say in a period of growth, I work a lot. (laughs) So um, there's, I think there's kind of two sides to this. So like leading into the season of growth, it's so social, like it's so many calls. It's the like sales process but then also once you've closed the sale it's so many calls to help people get their shows off the ground and so like when you're going into the season it's just like meeting after meeting after meeting and so that's Mm. kind of how I feel like my fourth quarter has been in 2022 it's just been getting pummeled with meetings and I love them I get to meet so many really cool people from really diverse backgrounds with really incredibly different varying visions of what they want to do and how they want to like impact the world and what kind of communities they want to build and cultivate and support. And that is so fun to me. Like talking to people Mm -hmm. about their vision and their business ideas and all the ways that their business could grow and evolve is so fun to me. So I love it. But also it is draining to be that social on Zoom that long and that many hours and then have to sit down and like edit a podcast. Like you mm-hmm. do feel a little bit like I need to take a lap. Like, <laughs> And unfortunately, yeah. editing a podcast as an example is so sitting at your desk focused intensive. And so like that's kind of a weird brain switch. And so that's what I would say about going into a period of growth. And then when you're experiencing the growth, it's like, it's just like a ton of work. It feels almost overwhelming that every day it's like, oh my God, there's so much to do. And I feel like I kind of just hold on 
and like grip really tight and i'm like it's gonna be okay like just hang on we're gonna get through it and normally as long as i have my to-do lists and i like just stay organized it actually doesn't end up being that bad and it's actually really really fun but i think the going into a season of growth for me is actually harder than being in the growth because you have to figure out like how do i grow (laughs) i'm ready to grow yeah where does that growth come from? And so I think that's like the difficult part. But what do you think? Because you said you thought we were going to have really different answers. So I'm really curious. What did you think I was going to say? And also, what is your answer? See, you're a really big planner. You're a prep person, I feel like. So I feel like I was expecting you and you do. I, I see the behind the scenes. I know that you do a lot of preparation and a lot of frame building before you bring on a new show. You make sure that and we're similar in this that we make sure our current clients obviously are good to go. Um, I was just thinking that when you were saying you were, you know, you really do, I think you really do a great job of laying the framework to onboard a show. Um, Thank you. Nobody is more, you're welcome. Nobody is more organized on Trello than Sarah K. Heater. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. <laughs> um, when it comes to bringing on a new client for me, Um, I'm really fortunate that I'm at the point now in my business that I can really say, yes, this is a project I'm excited about. I want to work with this client. Um, my, the decision for me to take on someone else and do I have the time to do it really comes from the standpoint of how many extra hours in the day am I sitting around working on that running to-do list? How how far ahead am I already working? Do I have time? And what type of client do I have, you know, any kind of wiggle room for? Is it a client that only wants me to create their graphics for their social media, write their social media plan? Or is it someone that just needs daily admin work? And do I have the time or what time do I have to offer to that kind of specific client? Um, but to your point, when I onboard a new client, it does take so much work because I <laughs> am virtual because they don't know me. Right. I do. I go above and beyond to build that relationship. I follow them on social media. I, I, I stalk them to death. I want to know all the things about your business. I want to know about the company that you represent. I want you to know about me and my family and you know, put a, put a face to the name. I talk to you all the time about being a very visual person. So it's important to me that my clients have a really good visual of who I am. And so I try really hard. We'll have multiple meetings. We meet each other, first of all, to make sure it's a good fit. Um, I'm not everybody's cup of tea. You may meet me and think, no way can I deal with this girl for, you know, 20 hours a month. That's fair. Um, And it's a good fit for me. Um, I work really well with people who want to work human to human. Um, I am a resource for people's businesses, but I'm also a person. So be kind, (laughs) you know, learn my name. I'm not the admin person. I'm not the VA. I am Amanda and I'm here to support you, but we're also going to talk human to human, you know, yeah. And so I'm so I meet with clients a lot on that onboarding process. Same way I did with you and really lay out what clients expect. You can tell from one conver- at least I can, from one conversation you can really get a person's personality and what they're going to expect communication-wise, the amount of time that I need to spend, the amount of hand-holding that goes into it. I factor all that in and I have a 
internal, internal being just me, I keep a running um, little profile sheet on all of my clients so that I know, okay, this person really wants hands-on care. This person never wants to talk to me again. They're just going <laughs> to send me work. All of that works well, but it does go into time management and how I factor in, okay, this person is, you know, on a good footing. I can bring on somebody else. And that's really, that's really how it works. And unlike a lot of VAs, when I do lose a client, it happens. Um, or they decide to go down in hours. I don't immediately run to get another client. I really see, are my current roster, are they good before I start really thinking about trying to onboard somebody else? I actually think there's three things I want to say about the differences there. One is um, what we do is fundamentally different from the standpoint of, I don't want to say what I do is always the same, but I I handle the same kind of project with each client. So a Mm. podcast generally looks the same and what you do is so varied, like what everyone needs from you is totally different. So that's one thing like has to be addressed. Another thing or the other two, I guess I would say would be the amount of time that I've been doing my business compared to the amount of time you've been doing your business. I do think that that makes a difference as far as being more planned and structured and taking clients on. Because at the beginning, I'll just take like, like I said in a previous episode, what will it take for someone to trust me enough to pay me money? That is my only concern. Yeah. Like I just need to make money. Yeah. And it's definitely evolved to now I make enough money that I get to be like, this is what it looks like. Does that structure mm-hmm. fit what you're looking to do? And then also I would say um, hiring somebody made a big difference. So when you and I started working together, I, in order to delegate, I had to have more structure and planning in order to be able to expand my team. And now I have both you and an associate editor. Basically, what I'm trying to say is in order to communicate with both of you and in order to delegate tasks, I had to create some structure. And in fact, when you and I started working together, you were so great because I knew I kind of wanted help, (laughs) but I didn't. And I had already done, I've heard other people recommend when you're getting ready to work with a VA or if you're thinking about working with a VA, make a list of all the stuff you do and then distinguish what has to be done by you and what could be done by somebody else. And I was like, okay, so I had already done that. And I actually had like several eventual job description sort of things hammered out but the transition of like how do we build trust how do we build a relationship how do I know what you're really skilled at and what you really enjoy doing I mean I just met you (laughs) so and how (laughs) many hours do I need like how many hours will these take will these tasks take somebody else like that stuff I don't know and you had said to me what's your biggest priority in your business right now on our call. And this was so helpful because I really, I'd talk to like social media managers and I'd talk to like people with different specializations, not really knowing what I wanted to hire. And then you were the only, you were the only general VA that I talked to. But when you said to me, what is your biggest priority? That really shaped it for me because the other people I was talking to were trying to sell specifically their specialization. And so then I had to decide is that specialization where I want to start, right? And with you, it was like, well, I know what my biggest priority is as at that time I was also in a season of growth. Like my biggest priority is making sure my client experience is protected 
That's number one is like, I want to make sure that I'm feeling growing pains, but I don't want my clients to feel growing pains ever. And then in addition to that, I want to elevate that client experience. Like I want it to be even better. And so when you and I started working together, I said, I don't want to call you my VA when I introduce you to clients. I'd like to call you my client experience manager. How do you feel about that? Because you really clarified that for me of like, I'm not bringing you on to be an assistant. I'm bringing you on to protect my client experience. And that's prospective clients, that's current clients, it's new clients, it's returning clients, whatever it is, it's the overall client experience. When I'm interacting with clients in any capacity, that's what my biggest priority was and still is in a lot of respects. And so that made that really easy for me. And it also made it easy for me in deciding what tasks to start with, what tasks to add, what makes sense to give you versus for me to do myself. And then especially bringing Eric on, like, how do I distinguish what to give you, what to give Eric, what to keep myself? Like, Eric does audio. He's not the only one because I also do, but Eric does audio stuff. He does, like, the technical stuff. You do client experience stuff. So the outward facing stuff, no clients ever interact with Eric. They don't know him. They know I have an associate editor. They literally don't know him, but they know you really well and they love you. And that's really, really Mm. important to me. So anyways, all of that to say, um, that's some insight into like uh, a really good VA call, by the way. And also, (laughs) um, I think that that made a really big difference when you say like, I'm a planner and I'm really structured. That made a huge difference because hiring somebody, you like kind of have to have structure. And so if you were going to hire somebody and it wasn't just going to be you anymore, you too would start doing more planning yeah. because you have to. So anyways, well, it's really, it's, it can be very, that's super helpful and so kind and nice to hear. As you know, I'm a words of affirmation person. So that makes me feel really good. Um, I will also say that, and just here in like talking to you about this, I just realized something you know, I say my specialty is marketing and it really is, but equally, if not more so what I do for clients and my title internally with working with clients is client experience. Um, I would say 80% of my clients there, my role is a client experience standpoint. So making sure their emails from clients are answered and that concerns are addressed and making sure they have full support and they feel like they're being heard. And um, that to me is a missed opportunity. If you're a virtual assistant and you want to start your business, that would be a role that I don't think people really capitalize on. Um, everybody is rather marketing or they're admin only. And admin to me is very different than a client experience. Admin to me is like, I can edit your Excel spreadsheet, which I can also do, but it's awesome when you have someone who knows how to write a very friendly, but professional email and knows how to communicate with clients. And that, that to me is a level of trust that I feel very fortunate to have with my clients is that they trust me with the clients that they have worked so hard to earn. And the fact that they let me be the communication between the two of them is equally, if not more satisfying than doing actual marketing work now that we're sitting here talking about it. So I think we have really tackled time management and time management in the most strangest time of the year, (laughs) which is the year between the holidays and New Year's, which by the way, do you include New Year's as a holiday? I mean, when you say happy holidays, I consider 
the holidays, December. And I think New Year is its own its own thing altogether. I no, guess like New Year's <laughs> Eve is part of December. So technically, Sarah, I mean, that is very true, actually. I kind of, okay, for well, me, it's like my whole mind. For me, it's like winter slash the turning from one year to the next is the holiday season. But okay. There's just a lot sense. of holidays at that time. I don't know. <laughs> it's very true. Okay. Well, we still want to hear from you. Do you have any questions about time management, dear listener? Please or let tips. us know. <laughs> yes, please. Tell we always tips. want tips. We are at Big Brave Business over on Instagram, and we want more friends to hang out with and to talk to about their businesses. It's literally our favorite thing. So come and see us over on Instagram, and we'll see you next week. See you soon. 